Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. After eight weeks on tour, the British and Irish Lions will be returning home. Not a series winner as they lost 2-1 to the Springboks. And in the third and final test, a 37-year-old Morning Stain was once again the man to steal the series. I think they're going to put him in cryogenics now for another 12 years when he can just wheel him out to kick the final penalty in the third test in 12 years' time. Uh, we'll be picking the bones out of Saturday's decider, including a number of what-if moments for the Lions that saw them turn down opportunities to go for the posts in favour of kicking to the corner and not putting, well, very simple two-on-one uh, overlaps away and, well, committing fouls which were necess- unnecessary when they were driving for the line. This series is Warren Gatlin's first defeat as head coach, for, but um, the door's been left open for him. To make a return in the next tour to Australia, Lions chairman Jason Leonard says he would be happy to see Gatlin back for a fourth touring charge. We'll be discussing Gatlin's performance as well as a touring general with Telegraph's chief rugby correspondent Gavin Mayers, who will shortly be joining us from South Africa. Well, as for the Springboks, they've now added a Lions series to their World Cup triumph in 2019, truly establishing themselves at the very top of the game. We'll be discussing the reaction to their win and what is next for them as they prepare for the Rugby Championship and that's just around the corner. We're picking our players of the series from both sides. Well, there are a number of players who've really stood out over the three weeks. Uh, I'm delighted to say that alongside me once again to deconstruct all this, who's smiling from ear to ear, is the former South African captain, Bob Skidstad. Hello, Bob. Hello, Brian. How are you? That's, um, that's unfair. I've got, a, I've got a grin. It's not a full-on <laughs> smile because I know we were lucky. Yeah, um, yes, there were elements of luck, but then again, um, you ride that, don't you? Had the Lions done what they should have done, which was pass the ball once, not get in front of a man on a drive, the Lions would have been two converted scores up at half-time, which it should have been, and the box at some point would have had to play chase, you know, catch up. Now, they may have been successfully able to do that, or, as sometimes happens, the ball spills, you go another score up and then it's... You know, then they really are in trouble. So, um, if you if you don't put these away, and we've said this all the way through, you don't put these chances away at top class rugby. You keep South Africa a team like that in a game, and they'll find a way. And sure enough, you know that's exactly what they did. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, the 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 the, the broad question is: is it a deserved win for the Springboks to to stay in the game when the Lions had been so dominant? Um, and to to squeeze a win by the end, yes, they deserved it. But I do think that the Lions were in better form, um, and we'll talk a little bit about why and 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 who was um, you know the the architects of that. But 
I think the Springboks played a, um, a slightly dour defensive game, but they, they stuck to their guns, you know, and they really, really held out in the crucial moments of the match. You're right. Well, well Finn Russell um, made a big impact when he came on, and he was saying that uh, he was watching the games and the way he plays is slightly different. He felt, you know, he could bring something more to it, and he did. And it was this for me. <clears throat> I've been banging on all series about this only because it's absolutely crucial, you know, of the Lions finding a way to get their runners running not straight at a South African strong defence, but slightly off the shoulders. As soon as Russell came on, he had two balls inside, one ball outside, one ball he took in. All of a sudden, within four phases, the Lions went over the game line every single time and the game looked completely different. That's all he did. He didn't do anything revolutionary. He just varied the angles of runners and people ran off him. And, uh, you know, as you know, if you're having to guess where the contact will be, it's much more difficult to make that stopping dominant tackle. And it was so obvious to me, and I thought, at last, you know, they'd be able to do this. Unfortunately for them, because of the way the game sort of carried on and the fact they didn't take the chances, they then started to come into themselves. And that was uh, probably the last time that happened. Yeah, I think, you know, you make a great point. He had some fantastic inside balls. I think one was to Courtney Laws, one was to, to Count Dickey. Um, he had the, the outside ball, the shifting of the ball. Also, yeah. those, those mesmerizing passes behind the back where yes. he's, he's just shifting the point of attack. So I think the Springboks really sort of tuned in. They, they, they knew that if they were broken, if that defense was broken, then they were, you know, really on the back foot and they were going to be in trouble. So they started double tackling. They started, you know, trying to keep the man up and they, they, they won one or two, let's say, momentum type um, defensive tackle battles there. But with, with Russell on the park, the, you know, the Lions had a whole different aspect to it. So, so I loved it. When, when, when Dan Bigger went off and I, and, I, and I take no joy in anybody's injury because we've all been through it, um, I, I thought to myself, you know, Sherbert, maybe that's the, the, the magic key. Maybe that's the, the, the magic yeah. bullet that the Lions need is to be forced into playing a, um, a Finn Russell type game. Well, I, I, it, for me, it isn't the question of, um, you know, Finn Russell good, everyone else bad. It's the fact that no. they're slightly different. And I do feel in this series against this side, you are always going to have to have something that unlocked that first up defence. Because other, other sides, you know, the old blacks, the, the, um, the, 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 the Aussies, they do have decent defensive sets. But they are, you know, they don't, they don't predicate a lot of the game on, the do, on it like South Africa do. And I thought, well, again, the, 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 this stark difference. Josh Adams waiting outside Liam Williams, didn't get the ball. Colby waiting outside LaRue, doesn't get the ball. That's the difference of a 14-point swing. Well, exactly. He, he, he does get the ball, and he does get the ball with an attack-minded person inside him and an attack-minded captain. I think the, the crucial man in that move was, was Lacanio Am. You know, the ball yes. was bouncing around off the shoulder or whatever it is. As soon as he got it, he stepped inside, went over his man, one-handed offload to Vili LaRue, who was almost at full pace. And for me, that was indicative of the fact that the Springbok outside backs were waiting for that. Yep. This time they had to wait all series, <laughs> yeah. but they were waiting for that and they knew when it came they had to perform. Well, look, you can talk however much you want about South Africa. The fact is they outscored the Lions four tries to two and the Lions backs didn't score a try. Well, you know, we, we spoke, I think, last week or the week before where Ian Foster said that the game put him to sleep, you know, so I did a bit of, a bit of work on it. 
And when the Lions were in New Zealand, New Zealand scored 67 points. In this game, um, in this series, South Africa scored 66. So I'm sure that one point was, was, was certainly the difference. But, you know, let's, I mean, let, let's take it like if, if, if you're going to take the opportunities and score the four tries to two, I felt the Lions were very good with their driving mall. And, mm-hmm. and you mentioned it, but we were fractionally a, a tiny fraction away from another driving mall try, which, mm-hmm. I, as you said, would have taken it, I think, to se- 17-3 if he'd yep. got the conversion. Really two converted scores. It's almost then game over. Yep. You know, little mistake. And, and was it little mistakes in the big moments that cost the Lions, perhaps? Uh, well, we'll be discussing player of the series later, but um, the captain, Sia Khaleesi, um, I, f- I thought he was out of sorts when he, when he started, for obvious reasons. Just grew and grew and grew during the series. Um, and uh, what do you make of his performances? No, Man Mountain. I think, I think you're, you're 100% right. I think he went from bewildered, out of form, out of place in the first test to the sort of legendary leader status that we knew he had in him by the end of the third. In fact, you know, he was there making the crucial turnover. Yep in the final seconds of the final test. Now, for me, I get goosebumps even talking about it, but for me, that's a guy who's come back. Nobody actually you know, recorded one single sentence from him to say, oh, well, I was out of form because I've had COVID and I haven't yep. played for 20 months. He yep. just you know, shut his trap and carried on. And, and I really take my hat off. That's, that's leadership by example, not by, by words. And, and I've, I've got to say that I think for me, he was, he was the, the difference you know, in a, in a three-point sort of difference in a, in a test series. Um, he, he was that three-point difference. Um, there, there's some sections of the South African media claiming that this win was bigger than the World Cup. What do you make of that? Well, I think f- f- from early on, you know, the, the Lions has been the proof sheet. It's been what people wanted to see the Springboks prove themselves. You know, a lot of people still talk about a World Cup, particularly non-World Cup winning players, talk about how easy a World Cup is <laughs> yeah. if, if the ball bounces for you. Um, I'm not sure that I, that I take um, sort of, you know, any, anything from that, except for the fact that a Lions series, you're playing against four nations that you've got tremendous respect for. You play them in a different format. You play them when they, they come together and, and it's got the, the amazing history of all the tours. So it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's bigger than a World Cup. I would say it's, it's, different, it's it? up there and it's different and, yep. and, and certainly as important, I think, to, to South African rugby. Well, time now to speak to the Telegraph's chief rugby correspondent about the legacy of the tour. We've got uh, Gavin Mayers, who's joining us from South Africa. Gav, the headline this morning, this line's tour may have been a logistical miracle, but it leaves a rugby with little to celebrate. British rugby, do you mean, or rugby everywhere? I think, um, Brian, the problem we had was just the lack of entertainment on this tour. Um, It's the showpiece you're a former Lion. You know how much it means to British and Irish rugby players and supporters. It's also uh, the thing that the Southern Hemisphere looked forward to. Uh, South Africa, it was the first time the Lions had been there for 12 years. They they managed to win the series playing quite, well, hugely conservative rugby. And I think the problem that I find with it all is that this was a showcase. This was a showcase for Northern and Southern Hemisphere rugby and we saw so little action. And I think that's a real disappointment, probably more mostly for the players themselves, given how much of a commitment they had 
and they made to be to make this this series go ahead. And you know, we saw that second that second test, first half, sixty three minutes, uh, and so little action. And I think it's just at a time when rugby is trying to grow its global audience that it was so disappointing that we saw so little positive rugby. Well, one of the problems, Gav, is uh, when you're waking up every morning to the Olympics and you see these thrilling uh, stories happening here, there and everywhere, and you've got other things going on, um, you, you've got things to compare to. Now, um, no one cares about the fact that uh, it's been a huge logistical challenge because everyone else has done it in their sport. But how difficult was it for them to get this away at all, do you reckon? And how different was it covering it? It was very, very difficult, Brian. I think, um, you know, what, what we had with South Africa is because we were heading into their winter, uh, we were also heading into their third wave and a country with um, very limited vaccination programme at the minute. Now, it is improving, but when we arrived at the end of June, um, there was a lot of infection rates in Johannesburg and we saw both camps, the South Africans had a much bigger outbreak uh, the Lions just had one positive and had to, several players had to self-isolate. I think at one point we thought, is this test series going to go ahead? Um, credit to both camps. I think when they moved to Cape Town and um, and really tightened up the, the bubble, as it were, um, we managed to get through um, as probably as best as we could have hoped. And, and one point I would make, Brian, is that I think for the South African people, this was a very important tour. We went through this last year without any crowds, both in the Ottoman and the Six Nations, and and it gave people at home something to watch and enjoy. And I think we shouldn't underestimate that that impact of the series going ahead. But I think at the same time, and the point you make about the Lions going head-to-head, first with the Euros and then the Olympics, and it begs the question... The why on earth has this tour slipped back into July, August, when traditionally it's been uh, end of, or sort of end of May, June, finishing in early July? And I think really going forward, the authorities have to look at um, restoring the Lions to their early summer slot because, as you say, when you go up against the, the big sports, the Olympics, the European Football Championships, we've got Premier League football about to start again. It's very hard for the for the Lions to compete, and it's such a shame because it's such a wonderful tour. And and really, when you compare it with a Rugby World Cup, you know some people, some of the South Africans, saying you know they preferred it to a World Cup, and that shows you how much it matters and it means to the global rugby season. And I think everything has to be done to make sure it's allowed to stand alone in its own right. Well, the door's been left open for Warren Gatland. What are your thoughts on that? Um, my, I think time is up. Um, not because I don't like the guy. I just think, you know, why have more of the same when, when rugby's going to move forward and give someone else a chance, give a, a fresh perspective? Might succeed, might not. But I can't see why you would want to go back with the, with, with the tried and tested. And, you know, and, and, and he's been very good. But, but, but leave it there. Brian, I, I, I must admit, I was also surprised that um, the Lions chairman um, and, and sort of managing director and Ben Calvary and Jason Leonard both came out so quickly after the, the tour had finished to sort of declare their support for Warren Gatland. Um, 
I agree with you. I think, and I and I and I imagine that Warren feels a little bit the same. He, you know, when he was asked about it, he said he wanted to go away and think. You know, four years is a very long time in any professional sport, and I think it just seems to be madness to rush out and say this is the man we want. He he does get the Lions, and 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 and, and I think he's been a fantastic Lions coach. But as you say, maybe it is time now to look to a fresh, look to. Uh, you know, promote uh, some of the, the the younger up-and-coming coaches. And, Brian, one thing I would say on this is that I think it's really important that the home unions continue to back the Lions in terms of letting their coaches join up for the summer tour because, you know, we've seen one or two head coaches not being made available for this trip. And um, if the Lions is meant to be the pinnacle for the players, I think it should also be the pinnacle for the home union coaches as well. And I think it's really important that we maintain that commitment, um, both in terms of releasing players and the coaches as well. Gavin, I think you make a great point there about the coaches and, and, and full release, etc. I think would help. With, with Warren, you know, not necessarily coaching in the Northern Hemisphere in the next four years, do you think, I mean, surely that'll put him on the back foot. One, would they, you know, would they look for someone who, who knows the players from this part of the world? And, and two, you know, Rossi Erasmus and, and his team, what's the, the access been like? You know, we, we, we've seen a few things come out in, in the week. Uh, have you had as much access as you wanted to, to the coaching staff, to the players, to the people around the Springboks as you would have on a normal tour? I'll, I'll take the second point first, Bobby. It's been, um, it, we have had very good access. It's just been very frustrating that almost all of it's been done um, via Zoom. Okay. Um, one of the, the great things about these these trips is getting to meet and spend time with the players and coaches. And you know what it's like when you're in a, a hotel and, and there's a bit of chat before the press conference starts and a bit of chat afterwards. And, mm. and, and you know, maybe the sponsors and administrators there as well. So it's been frustrating. What, what we tried to do as best we could was get out and about, meet South Africans, meet, uh, we, you know, um, earlier last week we went down to False Bay Rugby Club and just met some some grassroots rugby people there. It was a fantastic evening together. And we've gone out to sort of meet former Springboks, former Lions who are out in South Africa. So, you know, I think it's been, it's like a tour we'll never, ever forget covering. I think um, just it we have to deal with that, that bubble restriction. And uh, that's just the way it had to be for this trip. Um, but, you know, we had daily access to both camps, well, almost every day. And um, I think in terms of what they, they, they tried to provide us with access uh, was just about enough to get through um, to try and give the readers back home a glimpse of what, what the whole narrative around the, the tour has been. Gav, Gav, what have the players been doing? So, Brian, good question. <laughs> so, f- from the Lions' point of view, they were based uh, in, a, in a resort uh, near Hermanus and it had sort of... Uh, facilities like a golf course, tennis courts, um, but you know that that's um, that can only get you so far. And, and I and I, honestly, I, I uh, you know we talk about maybe the standard of quality of the play w- was nowhere near we would like, but I think at the same time you also have to recognise the players um, stuck stuck in a stuck in a five star resort. They were well looked after, but. You know, cabin fever was bound to set in when you're just training 
and there's no real release. There's no visits to communities, to townships, to to you know to other other clubs, grassroots clubs. All that's all that magical tapestry that makes up Alliance Tour was was just not available to this group. And same for the Springboks as well. They were they were in their own hotel, and um, you know they must have been long days to fill. And I really feel for those players who weren't involved in the test series because you're looking at the guts two and a half, three weeks without even a match because of the decision to scrap that that, that midweek match between the first and the second test. So I think that has to be looked at again. But hopefully, goodness knows, we get back to Australia in four years' time and, and, and hope life has returned to normal. OK, Gav, thank you very much. We'll, uh, we'll see you when you get back. Be safe. Cheers, Brian. Cheers, Bobby. Well, interesting there, players. I mean, yes, he, first world problems in in some ways, but, uh, you know, a golf course and a tennis court, mm. you know, there's only so much golf. Well, I don't even play golf. Well, you, I mean, Brian, you know, <laughs> you, you talk about first world problems. I, I think there's also, there's a bridge to, to third world problems because these guys, they go to South Africa. We, we know that the sporting and, and economic and business and social and political history of South Africa is part of, Gavin mentioned it, the yeah. tapestry yes. of what these tours are all about, yeah. you know. So yeah. for me, as a young player, when I toured the world, I wanted to see the places I was going to. And, and I did. I went out with, with, with you know, the local players and coaches and to, to go and see the places. And, and the Lions, for me, I can remember 97. I can remember 2009. They got into the community. They coached. They went to grassroots rugby. Yep. And, and I think that makes part of your tour. That makes yes. the enjoyment and, and it makes your memories for a lifetime. So if they're missing out on that, I, I do feel sorry for the players. They're not going to turn around and say, oh, that's fine. We've got a football lifestyle. We can play golf and tennis and have pina colada at the at the hotel pool because it's not really of interest you know they want to see the place that they're playing and mm. and in, in particular I would imagine after the games also see the the players they played against well to tell you what why don't we go uh, with our players of the series because there were several standout candidates let's tell you what why don't we do with the winners first uh, we've got down a list here if you uh, think anyone else should be on here uh, please let me know uh, Dillende, Am, Elizabeth, Mostert, Khaleesi. And that's a good list, actually. That is a great list. I, I think Dillende, Am, Elizabeth, and Mostert all played 240 minutes each. Um, so their contributions, you know, just in time or, or there and thereabouts. There might have been nine yeah. or ten minutes l- less than that. I would add Pollard in. I think he was he was good, you know, kicking kicking from the tee. He wasn't as good as he has been, but I think he, he added a nice calmness to, to the backs. He protected the outside backs from scrambled ball. He took it up when he had to, so he didn't, you know, shovel the trouble ball, as as, as the coaches say. Um, I, I, I have said I think Khaleesi was outstanding. but What I could put on there, Mel Herber. I was going to say Mel Herber, you know, and, and, and the tight five in general. Umbanambi was also good for me. Maybe let himself down on the throwing because yep. of, of some pressure from the Lions, but well done to the Lions for that. But I think that the, the front row of South Africa, and particularly in the second and third test, the strategic changes and when they brought the bench on helped these other players perform. Yeah. Um, so if you have to, you, you pick Khaleesi. Is that the one you were picking? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, I, I, will, I will go for Mostert. I thought Mostert's... Um, second test performance, we, we tilted it oh, that, that way. Outstanding. was outstanding and set up, in the end, the third test as well. And for the Lions, there's a shorter list here anyway. Itoji Henshaw, 
Halloween Jones furlong. Amazing, first of all, that Halloween Jones is even in that list. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Gone on. But I don't think you can say he had the effect that um, people hoped. Um, to be honest, I don't think there was a lion who you could say had the equivalent of a test um, series like one in the box. You know, yeah, consisting of all three. I think, I think I told you, you got two, maybe. Yeah, I think you know if if <laughs> let's let's just say that series was was mm-hmm. six halves. I think South Africa won three and a half, and the Lions won two and a half. Yes. If you know what I mean, because because yes. we've seen the back That's and forth exactly of that. Right. And and for me, in the in the second test, it told you won the first half. Yeah. In the first test, he won the second half. Yeah. On, almost on his own. When Jones was. I think coming coming out of a shoulder injury, just exemplary in terms of the time and effort that he put into, um, you know, being in and around the ruck area, the tackles, the contributions. I think he was amazing. But I, I you know, he's come off a, a, a huge shoulder injury. He he can't be marauding and and barracking his way um, forward while carrying the ball, as well as making the 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 the. Um, you know, all of the def- defensive work. I would say the other one that's not there, who I think shone amazingly at the end of the first test was Laws. Mm-hmm. You know, he fell away a little bit, I felt. Um, and, and I think he could have got better and better. Um, he carried well. Uh, we mentioned him on some of those inside balls from, from when Finn Russell came on. He was, he was sort of trailing behind him inside and outside. So he carried well there, but he wasn't ever present. Probably the guy who sticks his hand up the most of that group for me is Itoje. Yes, well, I think he's been actually named uh, as the uh, Lions player of the tour, so we will add to that, uh, not being influenced uh, by it cause, uh, because we didn't know until he's just been told through my uh, through my headphones. But, um, yes, I think so. Look, well, for South Africa, we've been talking about what it does or doesn't mean. Next up in the rugby championship, the, the question here is, are the Springboks now number one in world rugby? Well, they were number one anyway. So, <laughs> Well, so, I mean... <laughs> they were. You, you know what happened in, in, in 2017, Brian, is, is the, the Lions held the All Blacks to a drawn series and then the All Blacks absolutely pasted everybody, which put, would put context on that amazing drawn series. You yes. know, well done to the Lions for holding the All Blacks, who then beat the Wallabies via 50 points, who then beat South Africa, who then beat Argentina. So the, the rugby championship will be a measure of how good the Springbok team can be for a long time. But my goodness, they've got Argentina this weekend, South Africa. Yes. There's just no break, is it? Argentina, Argentina, then a break, then Australia, then New Zealand, then New Zealand, then Australia. And I'm, I, I, I looked around that, that squad. They're already decimated through injury. And, and you know, Ninaba and Erasmus have got to try and corral these guys into six more tests. Yes, with the travelling. <laughs> I'm glad I'm long time retired (laughs) (laughs) Closing thoughts Bob Now the dust settled Uh, What what, what are your main uh, Takeaway I think think I'm glad that the tour Managed to be something we were all excited Enough about I'm sad that the tour didn't have The amazing sea of red And all the supporters that we know and love who, who love the game so much and, and, and would have come to see South Africa. I'd love be, to be doing this podcast with you on the deck of a hotel in mm. South Africa saying, well, we're drawing down the curtain um, now. And, you know, we've had a fantastic eight weeks of me showing you and, and your countrymen our country. Um, we've missed out on that. I think we need to build on, on the good bits was that, was that the contest is still there, the, the appraisal and the, the, 
the well-meaning for what the Lions is from the rest of the world is still very much there. You know, the, the respect for, for the Lions and the respect within the Lions for each other. So I've got to take that out. I would say that the officiating and the criticism that they took was a, was a, a bad point to start but became a better point. I thought all the referees and officials stood up and, and made good decisions and, and, and showed some manliness to be happy to Can take decisions. Can I just decisions. make my point about that? This is my point. Nothing good comes out of going down the avenue of criticising referees and officials for losses. No. They hardly ever are responsible in the end for a team's fortunes. When you take away the points that um, you should have scored or at the points that you didn't, or whatever, very rarely are they the difference. And I just say this, once you let someone down this route, it will become like football, uh, and I love football, but where it is the absolute de rigueur to blame the referee yep. because it's much easier than blaming your strikers, blaming your weak defence and so on. And when you get into that situation, you, rugby refereeing is very difficult because it's a very difficult sport to referee. Um, they're already having recruiting difficulties. We just simply cannot allow it to go that way. And when we're talking about um, you know, who is a, or isn't a water boy, for me it's this. Players play, coaches coach. I don't want anything to get in the way. If we're going to go down the route of getting messages on, why not just go the whole hog and say, why don't why wire why them up? And let, you know, let's all be above board. So we don't have to have one there in the corner, you know, someone standing behind the goal line. What's that person doing there? Let's get it all out of the open. You can do whatever you like. And you know, everyone understands. Or, which is much preferable to me, is have a demarcation where players are prepared off the field and then they have to be uh, their own men or their own women and they have to make the decisions on the field, and that's you know that's where you keep that demarcation. Um, the the Lions brand, um, I, I think it's survived. I, I I don't think if it has another tour with all the difficulties and they don't play better rugby, that it will it will always survive because there's enough there's enough commercial backing for it all round. But are there are better things that can be associated with it. Let's just hope. I think. By the time we come out of this, you know, we won't have that. We certainly won't have it, you know, in 12 years' time uh, when it gets back to South Africa and we mm. can get back to what it's supposed to be about. Yeah, I, I think you make a good point. I, I would say that the Lions brand for me, a little bit like a small business, a little bit like whatever, a, a dental practice, you know, has been affected by COVID. It hasn't been affected by the love of rugby. People, people have, have loved the rugby. It hasn't been affected by the officiating, you know, that, that's, that's something that would happen between any two teams taking each other on. In fact, so much so that I'll tell you right now, I really look forward to donning my red jersey and going to Australia and supporting the Lions because I love the concept. I'll take my family, but I do want to see full-strength teams playing against full-strength teams. I do want to see midweek games, and I, I do want to see the, yeah. the, the tour of old. I, th I think Finn Russell would have been able to play alongside Marcus Smith and maybe one or two other players and, and, and be contestably playing for, in, for that test match if they'd had full um, clashes yes. against provincial teams. And, yes. and unfortunately, that was by no fault of the Lions and no fault of the Springboks. That was what, you know, what, what this pandemic has brought to, to sport. So it, it was a, an, a sort of an adjunct tour, as, as we know, and, and it was sort of foreshortened. Um, I think that that absolutely a Lions tour, as we've always known it, will be amazing in four years' time and, and long live the Lions. Well, that's all we have time for this week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with the Telegraph. 
Huge thank you to my co-host for joining me throughout the series and giving a unique South African uh, perspective and one with balance. Now, that's not what not always happens, but uh, he's, a, he's a good he's a good man, he's Bob. Uh, uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, why not uh, register, check out some of the other episodes, and if you've still got uh, a case of Lions Fever, you can check out our mini-series, Brian's Lions, where I've been in conversation with the great and the good of Lions Tour has gone uh, by about what it means to wear the famous red shirt. We'll be taking a short break, but in the meantime, stay registered or subscribe to this feed and to the Telegraph Sport for all the latest on the return of domestic and international rugby now, goodbye.